good morning, afternoon or evening or whatever time you're listening to this podcast and welcome to Whose Team Is It Anyway? I'm in the hot seat tonight doing the hosting, I'm Scott and tonight I'm joined as always by producer Andrew who's in the contestants chair this evening. How are you Andrew? I'm very well Scott, Uh, looking forward to this one. Me as well and of course opposite him our good friend Eddie. Evening all. I'm also looking forward to this one, especially now that I know what the theme is. Um, I think it'll be a really good episode. So for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, basically we have to invite a special guest on to each show. They talk us through their own personal 11, and that could be anything from nostalgia, sentimental purposes, or just sheer world-class players. Um, this criteria tonight um, has been set from a Scottish 11 from our special guest's lifetime. So without any further ado, I'll play his entrance music. Yes, what you're going to do when Stevie Clifford runs wild on you from the Four Lads Had a Dream blog. It is Stevie Clifford. How are you, Stevie? Yeah, how you doing, everybody? Sorry, I must apologise straight away because this has taken quite a few weeks to, to kind of tie down and, and get it recorded. So my apologies that it's taken so long, but it's a real pleasure to be here. A big pleasure to have you. Um, so you have went for a Scottish 11 from your lifetime. Um, I must say, when I obviously I get the team in advance, um, and when I looked through it, I was very pleased with it. And yeah, very impressed. And um, we've got a few names in there that are making a first appearance. And we've got a few names in there which have been in some previous pods. So um, I'm going to flip the coin now. So first one to call it, Andrew or Eddie? Heads. his head so Andrew you will go first so Stevie has went for a 4-3-3 formation um, as always we'll start off with his goalkeeper um, this goalkeeper made 43 appearances for his national side between 1985 and 1998 he had brief spells at Hamilton Academical Queen of the South and he began his career at Oldham Athletic. Andrew? Right. Famously, I'm very, very bad at this. But I think, given that it's an all-Scottish 11, I think I might have an idea about who the goalkeeper is. Um, I believe it's the goalie, Andy Gorham. Any changes to that, Eddie? Or are you just going to stay on mute in a, in a tantrum? Yep, I'm staying on mute while I... Scream and cry about that coin toss. Stevie, you want to confirm there, then? Yeah, um, my goal co- goalkeeper would be Andy Gorham, and my goalkeeper in any team that I name would be Andy Gorham, the best goalkeeper I ever have ever seen in my lifetime. Um, there's been a lot of debate on it in terms of best Rangers goalkeeper ever, but the best goalkeeper I have ever seen is Andy Gorham. And I'll tell you one thing, guys, you know, there's not a lot of footage from the early 90s and things, but there was a, a game the other day posted on the fabulous um, Rangers old video archives page on, on Twitter. And 
It was 0-0 away to Hibernian, one of the first games in 92-93 season. And Gorham makes the most incredible top corner save from Pat McGinley. And it's barely commented on because it just was such a regular thing. He really was an absolutely incredible goalkeeper, a real genius of his trade. Yeah, I don't think you're, you're going to get many counter-arguments here. Um, Andrew, uh, going 1-0 up there, correct first guess, so we'll go to you first. Andy Gorham, the goalie. Uh, well, I'm starting as I don't mean to go on because I don't expect to get any right after this one, but still, um, I don't think it was ever going to be in doubt. Um, winning the coin toss and getting the goalkeeper first was always going to be a free hit because who else could it be other than Andy Gorham? Um, you know, there's a reason that Rangers fans call him the goalie. He's just a consummate safe pair of hands and uh, the perfect, perfect player for this. Um, I cannot think of who else um, you could go for um, for an all-time Scottish eleven. You could maybe argue Alan McGregor, um, but I think that's still a, a real tough call. And uh, yeah, I don't think there was any doubt. No issues at all with this one. And Eddie? Yeah, I'm definitely not arguing about this. If I'm picking my all-time eleven. um even without a theme of needing Scottish players, Andy Gorham's the person that I'm picking. My favourite goalie to have ever seen play uh, whenever he's come up before. I've mentioned it that 92-93 year. He was, for me, definitely the best keeper in the world. Um, won Rangers so many points over the years when he was at, at the club. And then to kind of reach a stage in his career where everyone thought it was probably over, went bounced around a couple of clubs, but then ended up going to Man United, yes, as a backup originally, but, you know, he played a couple of games there. It just shows how high regard he was held in that Alex Ferguson thought, despite kind of some of perhaps the off-field stuff, that he was still someone he would bring in and was happy to have him as a backup for that Man United team. Knowing that he was going to have to play him in a few games just shows that even towards the end of his career, he was still a really, really good um, goalkeeper. And I, I honestly can't think of a better player to start off any team with. No, um, going back to what you said there, Eddie, is we finish off with Andy Gorham's uh, <laughs> raving reviews that we we just can't help but give him. Um, going back to what you said about the 92-93 season, um, I think I understand wherever he comes from in the terms of the the, agree, the the debate about him and McGregor. McGregor maybe has contributed more over the terms of longevity but he's never been the best in the world. And for that season, I agree with you. And Andy Gorham was the best goalkeeper in the world. And the highlight reels, unfortunately, that we got to see this year, maybe due to the worst circumstances, um, they certainly hammered home how much you forget that just it was, cons- it was so consistently brilliant from him. Saves that you wouldn't expect anybody else to make. So... Yeah, the one and only Andy Gorham and number one, and I don't think any of the dudes would ever grudge you for having that. So, Eddie, we'll move on to our right-back now. Uh, a conventional back four of a right-back, two centre-halves and a left-back. So, this right-back um, made 50 appearances for his inter- for Scotland, obviously, because they're all bloody Scottish. So I just said that. 50 appearances for Scotland, scoring no goals, and had a stint at... Sunderland, Nottingham Forest and Bolton Wanderers. Yeah, it's uh, Alan Hutton. Andrew, any? 
No, I, I think that's probably going to be the guy. Um, no, Scottish right back. I think he'd go for one player there, right? Stevie, over to you. Yeah, the very man, Alan Hutton. There was a, a notable mention for Dave McPherson. Um, however, Big Slim was often out of um, position at, at right back, but still very capable player. Uh, won probably more than Alan Hutton during his time at Rangers. Um, however, Alan Hutton was a phenomenon. Um, he came back from a really difficult leg break, um, and I think it was a double leg break, actually, after he, he tackled him. Sure, it was at home to Kilmarnock. He went in a wee bit late and ended up injuring himself. Stormed back um, and, you know, had one of the, the kind of most memorable rises Um probably Calvin Bassi-esque, I would describe it as, in terms of having just an unbelievable six, seven, eight months culminating in um, a massive move to Tottenham for £9 million, pounds, which was, was huge for us at that point. So he was, he had everything, pace, power, um, strength going forward. And he, he literally, for, for several months, drove Rangers forward in, in games. And, and yeah, it is very similar to Calvin Bassi, actually, in terms of, not player-wise, but in terms of stature and rise and, and what we've seen. But a great fullback from us, uh, for us rather. And um, there's not much competition in terms of right-backs of Scotland. You look at Dave McPherson. The next one, believe it or not, would be Alex Cleland, um, who was he was decent enough. You know, he had a mistake in him, etc. But he's decent enough, scored against Celtic, whereas that gives him elevation in my book. So, yep, Alan Hutton every day of the week at right-back. Well, Eddie, you'll be pleased with that one, given that I gave you the the loan spells that he was on. Uh, Alan Hutton for you. Yeah. So before we um before we got to the right back, I was I've been sitting thinking right. Um, we've mentioned it's going to be all Scottish, so who who could it be? And Alan Hutton was the first person I thought of, um, and I was waiting for the clue. And as soon as you said Sunderland, and that's when I was like, yep, it's definitely Alan Hutton. I didn't even listen to the other teams after that. It was the only person that I was going to go with at that point. Uh, I think Stevie's description of Calvin Bassiesque is absolutely perfect. Um, for some reason in my head, and I don't know if this is accurate or I've just decided this over the years, but I don't think at the start of his Rangers career, the fans were particularly warm about him. Um, I don't remember him being someone that anyone kind of really pinpointed as, as this guy that was going to be up and coming uh, um, and be a superstar for us. But then as he had the leg break, came back, and that kind of six-month period was absolutely phenomenal, just unreal. And and as uh, Stevie said, ended up winning him his move down south to Tottenham, which uh, now I might be wrong, but was that not our largest ever transfer fee um, received up until Nathan Patterson? Is that right? Yeah, that's that's right. Um, he. Um, I always knew this because it was always like one of the stats that you saw in Football Manager. So obviously that's true because that's real life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it, I mean, it was, I think it's a mark of how good he was as a player to have earned us that amount of money. Exactly. And that stood for 14 years. Granted, there was a, a large chunk of that uh, time period, which we won't go into. But um, to have been our kind of highest money received until Nathan Parson for such a long time just shows how well he did in that time and, and what a great move it was. Um, so I, I think it's a great pick. Alex Cleland was the only other one I could think of. And I was like, ah, will he go for Alex Cleland just for nostalgia? Surely if you're going to go up on 
on him. Talent Hutton's going to be your one, but had him in the back of my mind that it could be Cleland. But out of the two, Hutton was definitely the one that I would have went with. So I totally agree with the pick. And Alan Hutton for you, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, he. Um, I think there, there's there's been debate, I think, amongst Rangers fans about how much of that, you know, purple patch of a season or half season that he had with us um, was true to his real form. But I think you see, you know, the longevity, you know, how long, you know, he played for the Spurs and then for Villa as well, and was always. I think generally in and amongst the mix, certainly for Villa. I mean, I think he um, he's done very well there. Um, you know, certainly after that first season. So um, so yeah, I think um, you know uh, it's an absolutely solid pick for me. He's the right back I think of when I think of the Scottish national team, um, which might just be a mark of you know when I stop watching them on a regular basis. But yeah, no no issues with me at all for this uh, great pick. Yeah. I'll- I'm pretty much in agreement with what both the guys have said there. I can't genuinely think of a better Scottish right-back that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, there was a part of me, I think it's going to be the same way, as, as we've, I know we've compared them to Bassey and maybe Patterson, that we never maybe got to see the best of them. And I think that's a wee sort of a sad bit. But at the same time, I still think we've seen the best of him in terms of his career. I know he went on to have a, a relatively on and off period with Spurs and then it really came home and became a stalwart with Aston Villa but uh, just one of those players I, I think I would have liked to have seen him for another year or two in a Rangers jersey um, had that ability to bomb forward a very modern full back tough tough as nails uh, loved a tackle uh, wasn't a, a adverse to being a bit of a shithouse as well and I think that's something that we've been we've been lacking in recent years at least in and uh, until we, we send the, the scouser himself. So, um, yeah, we'll move on now and we'll go back to Andrew. Um, by the way, the clues tonight, I know we've been we've been very uh, stringent over the last couple of, or this series about the appearances, goals, etc. and stuff like that. There'll be an occasional clue in there for both of you that will be slightly... Out, off the beaten track um, so this centre back um, wasn't born in Scotland but had 61 caps for Scotland he began his career uh, with Dundee United uh, who at that time went on a much better European run than the current side and he finished his career in 2001 at Everton Andrew can I just say, I'm so, so happy that you gave me that last clue because I was completely lost without that. Um, but I think <laughs> that I know who this is. Uh, I believe it's Richard Goff. Any objections, Eddie? No, I was going to go with Richard Goff as soon as he said he wasn't born in Scotland. <laughs> Stevie? Is indeed King Richard Goff, um, Captain when I was growing up, basically, I didn't really know Rangers without Richard Goff as captain. Um, typified everything you needed, really, you know, attitude, quality. He had absolutely everything. So, can't really pick a Rangers team without Richard Goff being in it, um, regardless of it being a Scottish one or a Scottish era. 
came up with quite a few important goals, scored one of my favourite ever headers, that header against Celtic at home in the 2-0 victory. The outswinging Albert's corner really is a masterful header right in the top corner. Really, really lovely goal. Um, aside of that, you know, very important goal. He talks about his League Cup winner in the early 90s against Celtic in the 2-1 victory as being his most important and his favourite goal. I think it was when he first got the captaincy as well off of uh, Richard Goff. So, uh, off of, sorry, Terry Butcher. So, yeah, I mean, Richard Goff had everything. Um, a fantastic leader. Uh, very nice, courteous man as well. Pleasure of, of meeting him before. And, as I said, with, without sounding kind of nostalgic and that, I can't really have a Rangers team without Richard Goff. He would always be in it. Andrew, Richard Goff. Yeah, I mean, you know, the captain, right? Um I, I, we, we've not asked Stevie to name a captain for this team, but and I suspect, given that it's a Scottish eleven, we're going to have a few uh, other likely candidates in here um, that I can think of. But you know, this this is a guy who is an absolutely rock solid defender. Um, you need to look at the list of achievements that he had just at Rangers. Um, and as far as I remember, you know, relatively, um, you know, he was still playing for Scotland when they were, uh, you know, in international tournaments. So he's even got experience about that. Right. Um, so, yeah, great, great pick. Um, yeah, no, no I, I don't think it would be a shock to not see him in this team. And Eddie? Yep, absolutely brilliant pick. Um, synonymous of Rangers in the 90s. Um, the Rangers team that I grew up supporting and fell in love with, he was the captain. We've now, with three picks in, and much like um, when we discussed it with Marco Negri's team, we've now got the goalie and the captain already. Um, and, and you just you can't disagree with that kind of start to a, a back five. I love it. Loved Richard Goff, um, a guy that's managed to keep himself fit well into his later days. He could probably still lace up the boots and give a give a number of teams in Scotland a boost by playing for them I'm sure and was brilliant right up until the end of his career you know managing to stay on and go and play for a team like Everton that late on in your career and playing in the Premier League just shows that you've managed to keep yourself fit but not only that that you've got that kind of football in brain so that when you do lose the odd bit of pace that kind of half a yard um, that you're still able to play the game at a high level just because you're, you're sheer positional ability and awareness and your football and brain an absolutely magnificent pick and I love it Yeah uh, Richard Goff I think for me is synonymous as the captain the way Walter was always the gaffer the way Andy was always the goalie um, you just you, you picture Richard Goff and you just see the shot and the tie and the leader the bandage and just the, the attitude that instilled this our traditions and instilled the club and players that came in. I think uh, earlier this season, obviously, we had Marco Negri on, and he said that it was a, it was a history lesson for him uh, when he met Richard Goff, and he told him everything that was important about the club and how he had to carry himself. So a role model, not just for fans and young boys watching the game, but for the players that he played with. Um, I'll, f- I'll never forget, the. I've see, I seen him at a speaker's night one night and he was talking about after his brief spell at Kansas City Wizards before he came back to Rangers uh, and he got that goal and he'd done the Raising the Roof celebration and the papers the following day were convinced that this was some sort of Masonic signalling um, 
to which obviously this was uh, this was him adopting his his, his newfound Americanisms. Uh, so Richard Goff, the captain, and I don't know, Stevie, do you want to make him your captain? No. No. Ooh. Okay, we'll move on. I that's won't say anything more on it. That's maybe giving them a clue as to some of the other players that might be coming up. I mean, I kind of had an inkling if we're doing a Scottish eleven here. You know, I've got a feeling about a player who might be included in this one. But it's just a feeling I've got. Better not be Luis Suarez. <laughs> if it is, it'll explode. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, Eddie, so you get a... Uh, a clue as well. Now this centre back, believe it or not, was never capped for Scotland. He played for Hamilton Academicals and finished his career at Rangers. Um, only other clue I can really give you. Well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. If you want another clue, I'll, I can go to it. I've got a great clue to give them. I mean, I feel like I need a clue on that one. Um, he demanded the title deeds. I know who this is. I've got a better clue. I'm really struggling. Let's see if Andrew goes an unlikely 3-1. We'll let Eddie have a guess first. Uh, and then we'll hear Stevie's clue because I think I know what your clue is going to be, Stevie. But as soon as, soon as I gave Eddie that it, one, I don't think it's fair to give him one more. I'm, I don't know. I, John Brown? <laughs> Andrew? That was going to be my guess, yes. Stevie, on you go. The clue was going to be scored a hat trick against Rangers. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. And he when tells a famous story about how when he went back to his house, after doing that, none of his family would talk to him. It is, of course, former John Brown, who, again, I can't pick a Rangers team without having him in it. He was he was absolutely phenomenal for Rangers. Um, great left foot, put his body on the line. You just have to watch that Leeds United away game, you know, when we speak about John Brown and, and that European run. Um, Bomber was, was incredible. And sadly... Injury stopped him being part of that nine in a row season, and then he had to retire. But John Brown epitomises the spirit of everything that is Rangers. Just an incredible guy, you know. He wore his heart on his sleeve, um, and he spoke about how it's cost him friendships uh, for trying to do what he believed was right for the club. But as a player, which we're here to talk about, John Brown would be right there next to to um, Richard Goff in front of Andy Gorham and I'm pretty confident that that centre-back pairing would, would be a match for anyone. So, Eddie, you got it at the last there uh, before sniping Andrew because I think he was pretty confident there. And it's not often we get that, Eddie. John Brown, bomber. I know, I was sweating. I actually, the, the reason I was struggling was because I hadn't realised he was never capped for Scotland, which... Um, now that you've mentioned it, because as you probably guess, I haven't played, paid an awful lot of attention to the Scottish national team over my span of my lifetime. But now um, it, that you've brought it to my attention, that is unreal. Like, I, I can't believe that over the years, Scotland never thought to call up John Brown. I just find that utterly bizarre. Um, 
again, yeah, another really, really good player. Wasn't who I was expecting. I was going into it expecting to see someone like Davy Weir. Um, so like I said, the the no caps totally threw me for a minute. And if I'd got Stevie's clue on on the hat trick, I would have probably got it a bit quicker then. But um, yeah, brilliant player. Started off as an attacking midfielder and and you know scored a, quite a few goals for Dundee actually, um, if memory serves right. And then when he went to Rangers, kind of moved back and and just shows the the level of quality that he had that you know to be able to go from being an attacking midfielder to then becoming a, a defender who was absolutely tremendous in that position just shows that he had a really good footballing brain and also just immensely talented and and I'm I'm sorry I'm I'm still gobsmacked by the never played for Scotland stat I I just I genuinely can't believe it but a really good pick like I say it wasn't who I was expecting and so it's nice to have someone that I wasn't expecting and to learn something new about him and Andrew over the disappointment there yeah, well, you know, it's rare that I ever actually guess one of these correct. So, you know, for Eddie to just take that away from me, I, you know, it's crushing it, a small joy I've ever had in life. But that's fine. I'll get over it. It's fine. Um, no, I mean, like, I, I completely agree with Eddie on this as well. I'm I'm stunned that Bomber never got called up by his country. I mean, you'd think, you know, you look at the defensive parent that's just won a domestic treble and go, hmm, should we think about getting both those guys in? No, we'll just take one of them. The other guy's probably not doing anything, you know. It's all goffy. Um, but I mean, he's the type of guy who has always worn his heart on his sleeve, right? I think he's an absolute warrior, someone you'd love to have in your team. So yeah, no issues at all with that. And uh, yeah, fa- fascinating pick. One thing I forgot to mention actually when we we're talking about it, it was um, just with uh, Andy saying there about how brave he was and stuff was just him going for that Celtic fan and the Celtic fan ran on the pitch and tried to get to Ali Maxwell. It just shows like he not only loved the club, but he was a man who actually would just would be the first one to run in and and support his teammates. Um, so he's exactly the kind of character you want in the dressing room and on the field with you. That was actually going to be the last clue. <laughs> um, if we actually look back at the papers from that match, I think it was the 92-93 season, uh, and the keeper obviously went for Ali Maxwell. Uh, sorry, the, fan, the, the supporter obviously went for Ali Maxwell. John Brown lays out old firm supporter, so... Papers haven't changed much, but lays out pretty much sums it up. Big bomber. Um, I can't disagree with it. I, I, again, it's still that baffling thing that he never got a cap. Um, I, I, to this day, maintain that if he was playing in Euro 96, Gaza doesn't score that goal because Bomber would have just clattered them. Um, but it's Scotland's loss to have not had this man at centre-back. Uh, as you said, a hard man. He loved, this, he loved this club. He still does love this club. And, uh, no, I can't say a bad word about Bomber. I absolutely love him. Um, so we'll move on now to our left back. And we are now back to you, Andrew. So. This player began his... Ah, oh, no, that's too easy. Um, after leaving Rangers, he had a brief stint at Leeds United and he ended his career at Montrose. Um, other clues that I can give you. He was featured in a documentary a few years ago on the BBC 
um, which broke their budget for editing out the f- fuck word. And... I think you just broke our budget for editing out. <laughs> and he had the notoriously long throw. The original Rory Dollap throw. I have not got the faintest idea, unfortunately. I've, I'm confident that Eddie's going to get this one in seconds. I mean, you can't see it, but I'm actually like running around with my shirt <laughs> pulled over my head in my kitchen just now that you didn't get it. Because it's who I thought it was going to be um, before we got a clue. As soon as he said Leeds, I was like, yep, got it. Um, so it's Davy Robertson. Yeah. Stevie? Yeah, absolutely. Best left back I've ever seen for Rangers. And people will say Arthur Newman, but David Robertson was incredible. Really, really good engine up and down that left side all the time. Um, and just, you know, he, he was constantly available. He was, you know, a bit like Tav back in the 90s. Rangers had, you know, a hell of a lot of injuries and it always seemed to be that Tav, uh, that um, David Robertson was available. And I know somebody will listen and, and come on and say, well, actually, he was actually injured loads. And I wouldn't be surprised, but my memory tells me that he was he was just so solid and, and always available. Such a good player, could strike a ball really well. And superb cross. He had brilliant link up with Brian Loudrop. And just a, a really terrific one of the old one of the old style new style fullbacks, if that makes any sense at all in terms of he was one of the first ones that was like a wing back. Like a modern day kind of fullback for me. So yeah, I mean, incredible player. And again, I don't think I could pick a team without having Davy Robertson in. Nah, I can't. I can't disagree. Um, Andrew, Davy Robertson didn't ring any bells for you either. Unfortunately, not. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know what it was. I think the um, the Montrose thing threw me off. Um, but yeah, um, look, listen, there's no question. I mean, he's um, he's obviously one of Rangers' greatest left backs. Um, so there's no questions from me on his inclusion here. Um, top pick. Eddie? I love it. Um, I'm, I'm like Stevie on this one. For me, he's my favourite ever left back for Rangers. I just loved watching him play. I was gutted when um, he was leaving Rangers, but it was at that time when uh, English Premier League, like that kind of 1997-ish time, when it really started to get quite interesting to watch. So I was really rooting for him when he did go to Leeds. I was gutted he was leaving us, but was hoping that he was going to be a massive success down there. Um, It didn't quite work out how I'd hoped, but um, when he was at Rangers, I just absolutely loved him. Only ever had one red card in his career, I think, and that was that one that, against Celtic it was never a red card no chance um so that kind of ruined his perfect record on not getting sent off in his career but um just a, a fantastic player to watch um just what can you say he went from he was at Aberdeen who back then weren't the Aberdeen that they are now uh, they were a, a good team back then no offense to any Aberdeen fans listening um, a, a team that could always challenge for titles and cups and was pretty much a, a kind of stalwart for them and then moved on to Rangers which is you know it's a brave move to make especially back then because um, the fans up there really don't give you any kind of 
slack for moving on to a big club and uh, made a made an absolute success of his time at Rangers again. Not really capped for Scotland all that much that I can think of. I don't remember him playing at many any of the major tournaments. Not that Scotland made many in my kind of lifetime, but um, don't have a, a great memory of him. Don't think he played at Euro 96 or the World Cup 98. So I don't think he was a, a big name for Scotland, but probably should have been. It doesn't make much sense that he, he wouldn't have been. He was the left back of the best team in Scotland. So it's a bit of an odd one. And then has gone on to be, a, like you said, a kind of TV superstar in that documentary. And I really enjoyed watching it. I actually, when I first seen the clip for it, didn't recognize him at all because he just he looked so much beefier. Um, now, which I suppose is kind of obvious when you think about it, but he he always my memories of him was always quite as a skinny kind of player, and then he kind of chunked it up a bit as he's got older. But like you say, metabolism goes, and he stopped playing professionally. It's gonna. But um, I, I absolutely love the pick. He would be again my left back of choice in a, any Rangers team. So, yep, great pick. Yeah, David Robertson was probably, I'd say, the first one I remember. Um, just a consistent performer. Um, I, I know what Stevie means in terms of people who say Arthur Newman. I think when it comes down to maybe skill, you maybe look at Arthur Newman. But in terms of consistency, he's he's like a papach. He's, he was just always there, done his job. Felt bad. He was obviously, when we look back at that famous game, the three each, uh, that got him save. David Robertson probably had to highlight his career chopped off with a goal where he was clearly about three yards onside uh, in that old firm. But, no, uh, wonderful player. The Real Kashmir documentary, I'm sure it's still on iPlayer. Not that we're advertising anything, but if you enjoy football and you don't mind about a bad language, definitely tune into that. Um, and the other thing I can say is I can remember him talking about his, when he transferred to Leeds, he himself said he was surprised he passed the medical because um, he only played about 26 games for them and that was him uh, can't, he couldn't believe he'd signed on a deal given the fact that his, his knees were on its, his knee was on his last leg so uh, Leeds' loss was, was our gain uh, maybe at the time but we'll move on now to our first of three midfielders and we are back to Eddie um, this Scottish midfielder was also not born in Scotland. Um, he had 40 caps for Scotland and he had spells at Everton and Sheffield United. I might be jumping again a bit quick diving in, but I'm going to go Stuart McCall. Andrew? No, no advance on that. It's Stuart McCall. Steve it. It's Stuart McCall. Yeah. Um, incredible footballer. Had the engine and popped up with a, an important goal every now and then. And he just he did so much dirty work in that Rangers team. He was almost like the unsung hero of it all. And he was just, he was brilliant. Somebody that I loved and um, kind of epitomises the, the kind of player that I like who, who never shies away, always gets stuck in. And it's just an all-round all-round footballer, like a team player. Um, I can't have him not in the, in my team. So he would he would sit just in front of the the back four, 
for me and just clean up everything and, and be pushing forward in the midfield. Perfect player for me. Yeah. Uh, Eddie, Stuart McCall. Yeah, another great pick. Um, a, like I think Stevie just said there, a totally unsung hero type player. He'll get in, he'll do the dirty work, but he also had a bit of skill on him as well and uh, had a really good pass. I don't think he was a massive goal scorer that I can overly remember. Um, I, I, to be honest, I'm struggling to think of any of his goals that I can remember. The only stat I can remember is... Um, Hart and Hand did a podcast on him and they were talking about when he was at Everton and he came on in the FA Cup final against Liverpool when Everton were losing and scored a goal to take it to extra time and then he, Liverpool went ahead in extra time and then he scored the equaliser in extra time but unfortunately it wasn't to be for him because uh, Ian Rush then scored the winner for Liverpool but I always thought that was a nice start for him just to when he was a youngster coming on for Everton and, and getting a couple of goals in an FA Cup final just to keep them in the tie, but unfortunately it didn't work out um, overall. But yeah, great, great player. Um, obviously loved Bradford as well as Rangers. They were clearly his two loves. Brilliant video out there of him celebrating one of Bradford's promotions where he's on top of the car holding his beer and he falls, but manages to keep the beer stable so he didn't spill, uh, spill any of it. Exactly the kind of player that you'd want in any kind of midfield um, going into a big game, just a guy that's willing to roll up his sleeves, get stuck in. He won't shy from any tackles. He's not going to be intimidated by the crowd or any players that he's up against. He he goes in, he's aware of his ability and knows that in any game he can be a man that's going to stand out and he'll try to um, put his dominance on the game and really pull his team forward. So, yep, I love that pick. And Andrew Stuart McCall. Yeah, I love Stuart McCall. I mean, Eddie's um, mentioned that very infamous video of him uh, collapsing off of the car. That's that's something to aspire to, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that's like the dream. Um, but yeah, I mean, I absolutely love this as a pick. Um, he's just a top quality player, um, an absolute I mean, it's not like this defence needs a lot of protecting, right? But I think um, Stuart McCall will definitely be quietly effective uh, sitting in front of those two. So, um, so yeah, love this pick. Not an issue with it at all. Yeah, I, I tried to stay away from the, the, the Bradford clue. Um, but, obviously, it was that, that's his other love. Um, again, you forget the, the calibre of player that he was, obviously, when he was still um, playing for clubs like Everton and he was, he was coming on and making that sort of impact but just a, a workhorse of a player um, I think for um, any younger listeners we should establish as well we're saying like he played for Everton and big club back then Everton were a huge club in England it's not like Everton now who are a kind of they're a stable Premier League team who last season struggled but nothing flashy back then Everton were a huge club <laughs> yeah no I, I totally I totally don't uh, disagree. Um, Everton were a massive club. You look at some of the players that we got for them, Gary Stevens, Trevor Steven, and you look at the, the likes of the guys that were playing for them at the time, Peter Reid, uh, the great Neville Southall. I mean, Everton were a, a massive, massive club. Um, but yeah, and uh, I, I think he's a fairly good manager as well. I don't think he was what we needed at the time when he took over, but I certainly think he steadied the ship. And he didn't do his, he didn't do the club any damage, um, and yeah, just the 
obviously back at but Valley Parade when he fell off the car. Yep, drunk when you're getting promoted. I think that's something that we should all aspire to. So we're going to move on now um, to our second of the midfield three. And this is probably my favourite pick, possibly of the entire series. So, Andrew, if you get this wrong, I'm not speaking to you ever again. Um, this man began his career at Clyde. He is one of only three players to play a part in every league title of the nine in a row era for Rangers. And before coming to Rangers, he scored the winning goal in a Scottish Cup final. This is going to be embarrassing, isn't it? Final clue. He was a hard cunt. (laughs) Was that an okay clue, Stevie? Was that you okay with that one? I mean, it's absolutely perfect, but one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in a story once we we, um, figure out who he is. Do you know what's really annoying? Like, at first, when you gave the clues, I was like, I don't know who this is. It wasn't who I was expecting. And then it took a couple of minutes, and then when you started to say it, I was like, oh, no, I do know who this is. Well, unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to give this one to Ida, because I genuinely don't know. And I'm going to probably hit myself very hard when uh, you tell me who the answer is here. I'm going to potentially look foolish, but I'm sure I know the stat from the played in every nine in a row um, campaign because... You interviewed him for a podcast, didn't you, Stevie? And it's Ian Ferguson. Nice. On you go, Stevie. Yeah, it's a very man. That podcast, funnily enough, is is how I I met and and became on good terms with Ian Ferguson. I recorded with him and um, got a phone call the day it was released. It was the next day after recording. What's up with the the podcast? It's it's not very it's not very clear. So after a wee bit of deliberation, um, Fergie was like, well, I'm not having that. I want it to be the best for the fans it can be. So um, let's do it again. He says, where are you? I told him where I was. And he says, I'm coming to your house. So Ian Ferguson came to my house. We sat in my podcast room, which is the conservatory, and um, we recorded a brilliant podcast. And I sat next to one of my absolute heroes doing it, which was the most surreal and amazing things and since then we've kind of kept in touch via instagram and stuff he always kind of pops in and asks how things are and stuff like that and one of the you're right in your description of him on the pitch but one of the nicest guys you'll possibly ever meet um a rangers man through and through and just just incredibly nice guy so uh, honestly like i said it's my pick of the season i absolutely love it um We'll go to Eddie first, soon as he got it. Um, Eddie, Ian Ferguson. Yeah, I love her as well. It's a it's a really good pick. Another um, really tough tackling, kind of no-nonsense midfielder. Um, the fact that he managed to play in every nine-in-a-row league campaign and then was one of those players that Dick Advocate kept on to, to kind of keep the identity of Rangers when he came in. And he, he did contribute... Um, granted he wasn't a week in week out starter for Advocate but he, he did contribute and uh, I, I 
I, I just love him. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, he was, you know, did he play more? I think he might have played more as an attacking midfielder for St. Mirren. Um, and then when he came to us, he kind of seemed to sit more into that that kind of midfield general kind of role. Um, what more can you say about the guy? Like, if, if you didn't watch him play, it's, it's hard to describe just how good he was to watch um, and he's one of those players that perhaps didn't get all the recognition that he deserved because he did his job so well that it didn't always stand out it, it's one of those you know you notice players when they do something really flashy but his role wasn't to do the flashy it was to to just be there be the stable influence win the ball get the ball passed on forward and restart the attack and he just did it in droves again I don't think he played for Scotland all that much which again is another travesty and just absolutely loved Rangers. Um, I'm assuming he was a Rangers fan growing up, but I don't know that for certain. Uh, I can't remember if that came up on your pod, Stevie. I, I, honestly, for the life of me, don't remember that. So that yeah, just, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and and that came through um, when he was at the club. Uh, I think he had that famous line of, "He's not an alcoholic. He just drinks when we win stuff. Just at Rangers, we won stuff all the time." And he had that. Um, I'm sure there was a, a moment with him and Paolo Di Canio where he asked Di Canio to meet him in the tunnel, and Di Canio declined that invitation, shall we say? Um, which again is another thing that's always going to endear to Rangers fans, someone who's going to stand up for the club and take no nonsense and, and willing to kind of put it all out there. So yeah, I, I love this pick, and I can totally understand. Scott, why this would be one of your favourite picks of the whole series, or as you said, your favourite pick of the whole series, because he was just a brilliant player. I think, again, if there's any younger listeners out there that maybe haven't seen that sort of role at Rangers, and that would somehow class what Celtic had in Scott Brown as a hard man or a general, Ian Ferguson would have had Brown any time it takes to butter a piece. Um, absolutely no danger Ian was a proper midfield general didn't take shit from anybody obviously Decanio the, the, the telling him he was going to snap his leg and I think he just says no bother blew my kiss grabbed his ghoulies and told him to meet him in the tunnel um, I don't know if Stevie can shed any light on this it's usually one of these these stories that or the legends that gets bits added on and stuff but did Tommy Burns know phone Walter to come and get him through outside the Canyon's house that night after the game. Uh, I'm not sure if that's correct. Fergie de- definitely didn't tell me that, but he did say that there was an invite to meet him in the tunnel, um, to which Ferguson waited in the tunnel for him and he, and he never appeared. So it was a, a typical de Canio, a whole lot of gesturing and flamboyancy for the camera, but when it really counted, he was nowhere to be seen. You know, one of these hard men that needs 10 people to hold them back because like he was never intended on doing anything. I've got absolutely no doubts that should Ian Ferguson have got a hold of him, then it wouldn't have ended well for our um, one of our favourite Italians, so to speak. I don't think there, I don't think there was many that would uh, get the better of Ian in those days. Um, Andrew, your take on Ian Ferguson? Yeah, I mean, I think as you guys have said, I, th- I think he he probably was someone who's who's gone under the radar for me because of how quietly effective he was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think you get involved uh, in Rangers, especially Rangers of that era where, yeah, we won something pretty much every season. Um, I don't think you stay in that squad if you're useless. So, um, so yeah, um, I can't, I can't disagree with the pick. Um, I think it's a great one. 
let's be honest, we're talking about a guy who was deemed good enough to, to play for Graham Souness, Walter Smith and Dick Advocat. Yeah, so I, I think they probably have a good understanding of what a good footballer is, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't good enough to get picked for Craig, Craig Brown more than nine times. Again, another one that's an absolute travesty. Um, well, I mean, it wouldn't be like the Scottish national team to make daft decisions now, would it? That's a whole other I mean, podcast. This, this is absolutely <laughs> wild, though, as we're going through it. We're naming all these players who were major, major players in nine in a row. So we're like the best of the Scottish players out there. And none of them were getting games for Scotland. Yeah, Ian Ferguson managed a whole nine caps. I mean, that's just utterly insane to me. Brown never getting a single one is still the wildest thing to me, though. That's just crazy. I'm pretty sure that the whole story behind Ian Ferguson, I need to go back and listen to it again, but I think he got booed by the Tartan Army when Scotland drew 0-0 in Tallinn against Estonia. I'm sure it was something like that, and he basically told them to get stuffed. So that's why he he ended his, his Scotland career, because of um, the Tartan Army, and, and by his own admission, I'm pretty sure he said I would never play for them. He just forever goes up in my estimations. I'm pretty sure it was. Probably, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was also something slightly more colourful than get stuffed. But uh, now nah, we'll 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 park Ian Ferguson now uh, and we'll move on to the last of the midfielders. Um, right. See, to be honest with you, see for the rest of these ones, the clues are going to get. It's going to be too difficult. It's going to be too difficult for me to not make them easy. So. Uh, I believe this is Eddie's pick, or Eddie's question. Yep. So I'll say, had stints at Blackpool, Fleetwood Town and Clyde. So this is who I was expecting the last bit, as long as I'm right. I mean, this could be a total Luis Suarez moment for me again, but um, this is who I was expecting in the last one when you said it was your favourite. Barry Ferguson? Andrew? This is the last midfield pick that we've got, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm genuinely astonished that another player hasn't made it, but yeah, I think that is Barry Ferguson. Stevie, take it away. Yeah, um, it's Barry, and Barry would be my captain, much to probably most people in nine in a row upbringing like myself would, would question that. Barry Ferguson had everything that I liked in a midfielder. He had the drive, he had the ability. And first time round, he's probably as good as any midfielder that I've seen in my time at Rangers. That's how good he was. Second time round, he was a wee bit older and he'd been slowed down slightly by injuries, but he still had it. I'm I'm desperately disappointed on how it ended with him. He made a fool of it. Um, He's possibly not got much between the ears, but different conversation but Barry in terms of just a winner just an always moaning always getting on always demanding things from his teammate um and yeah it's a toss-up you know if somebody said to me I'd rather have golf then absolutely fine I wouldn't argue with it but for me Barry Ferguson is central to this whole team and um definitely 100% would, would be in it Barry Ferguson Eddie yeah, you're not going to say that he shouldn't be in any any team that's uh, built up of Rangers Scottish players, are you? He was that his first stint when he first came in um, under Advocat, 
he was magnificent. And I know he kind of was touching that the fringes of the first team uh, when Walter was there, more kind of toward the end of the seasons when when the league had been won, um, but or when the league had been lost. Um, but you know, and I think he was getting ready to leave Rangers as well, actually. And then Dick Advocat was doing his kind of pre-scouting of the team before he took over and, and said he wanted him to stay. And when he did, he, and he brought him in, I don't think any of us were really expecting him to come in and be the, the main man in midfield um, in that team. But going in, he was he came in and he was just absolutely magnificent. He played in Europe and he, he just looked like he was born to play in Europe. Um, you know, at a young age, he would have been, what, 19-ish? And he looked like he was a, a fully seasoned professional who'd been playing regular Champions League football all his life. Was it Leverkusen was the first one that he played in and he just absolutely took a hold of that game and just dominated. He was a joy to watch at that point. Again, he had that drive, that ambition. He just wanted the best for Rangers at all all times. And, you know, when Advocat decided to strip Amoruso of the captaincy, that's a, a move that can often damage a changing room, I think. But giving it to Ferguson was a, a really brave move, but it turned out to be the right move because he was just the type of player that needed to be in that role at that time, one that was going to demand everything from his teammates around him because he was going to give everything for the club and for the fans. And it showed the fans as well that actually, you know, we've got one of our own in there that's now leading the team, but not just one of our own and, and not just a token gesture, someone who has all the ability in the world. When he left, I was really disappointed, more so because he'd left to go to Blackburn. Uh, no offence to Blackburn fans, but I genuinely thought at that point he was one of the best young midfielders in Europe and could have went to a much bigger at the time club. He, I wouldn't have thought he would have looked out of place at a Liverpool at that point um, or even in, in Newcastle, who at that point, again, were, were still a very good club. I know they've had a few rocky years over the last kind of decade, but at that point they were still kind of looking to push on and push for titles and, or at least challenge for a title. And I thought he could have fitted in well for a team like that. So to go to Blackburn just kind of felt like it was a anticlimactic move for him. Um, I can understand though, you know, Graeme Souness was the manager at the time and getting to go play for Souness when you've grown up around Rangers. I mean, he, he his brother was in. The Rangers team when Souness was manager there so he's probably always idolised Souness and that'll probably influence your kind of moves and then second spell he came back and he was he was really really good for us at the start and yeah things kind of deteriorated towards the end he made a few silly decisions I think the most disappointing thing about that is having grown up around the club and seen that his brother had all this talent in the world and kind of not threw it away, but kind of didn't take full advantage of it with some of the decisions that he made. And I know his shoulder injury played a lot into it as well, but his off-the-field decisions also aided that. You would have hoped that he, Barry would have made better decisions off the field, and evidently he didn't. But it is what it is, and that kind of first stint for definite and earlier part of the second stint, he was just phenomenal for Rangers. So I, I fully expected him to be in this team, and when we said Richard Goff wasn't going to be the captain, I fully expected it to be Barry as well. Yeah, very well summed up. I don't think I could really add anything to that. Um, Andrew, um, before we get your take on Barry Ferguson, who was the one you were surprised was going to, was missing out there? 
I, I was convinced it was going to be Sunus. Um, but um, look, I, I can totally get this as well. Uh, I think there's a reason why anytime there's an exciting prospect coming through Rangers Academy now, they get compared to Barry Ferguson. And it's because of how quickly he transitioned from a youth player to just being an integral part of that Rangers team. Um, immensely, immensely skillful player. Um, an absolute joy to watch in the midfield. And uh, I think, as uh, as you guys said, I'm a moaning bastard as well, um, which is great. Um, love to see that. Um, you know, I, I don't think I, I saw a game where he didn't, he wasn't in the ref's ear or one of the, the uh, one of his uh, teammates ears complaining about something. But it's great because it drove Rangers on to, to greater success. So, um, yeah, um, I am surprised that Sunas didn't make the uh, the cut here, but um, unless he's playing up front as a striker, which I feel is unlikely. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, can't can't disagree with someone uh, of Barry's uh, talent um, being in this team. Yeah, I think that's it. It was, a, it was a generational talent, and we still look back to that now. Whenever a player does seem to be showing glimpses, is it going to be the next Barry? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? And I think in recent years we've started to see the the fruits of labour um, starting to pay off, uh, especially with the likes of obviously Nathan Patterson and guys like Leon King and uh, Alec Lowry now looking as if they might get time in the first team. And you know it's, it's something it's something just to, to look back on and you know it's possible. And you always, you always have that hope there that, that these players will develop in like that. Not going to say I've been too much a fan of Barry since he left Rangers. Certainly towards the end of his second spell, I think it was really time for him. Um, and off field, he's, he's, he's maybe not been my favourite person, but growing up watching him, there's no two ways about it. He, he lived and breathed the club, uh, and he was a leader. He's, he's the only other person I could have. When you said Goffey wasn't your captain, when I looked through the rest of your team, I knew it had to be him. Um, so yeah, great pick for me. Um, right, we'll move on to the front three now. Um. Yeah, Andrew. If you don't get this one, <laughs> I'm just awarding. I'm awarding the whole thing, Eddie. I hate when you say things like this, Scott, because you know I'm not good at this. But go on. Yeah, but everybody in Scotland, if they have this, this one clue that I'll give you. You played for Clyde Bank in Motherwell. Well. I think he also played for one other team in there as well. I believe that's correct, Scott. Correct. Um, probably, uh, yeah, I think it's probably Davy Cooper. Stevie. Eddie knows. I'm not even going to Eddie. For <laughs> you know, I'm just going to Stevie. Sit for somewhere else. That's great. It's Davy Cooper. Davy would have a free role in the team behind the front two and be able to run and, and go wherever he wants. Just just unbelievable. Again, would be in my best ever teams, no matter who I was picking or what nationality or whatever he had a left foot to die for. Was incredible when he was on his game. A Rangers man through and through. Just everything you wanted. Um, and one of my very early favourites, everybody wanted to be like David Cooper. So... You know, he was an incredible talent, incredible man. Die Hard Rangers man as well. It's, it's all you really want. As Davy said, he played for the team he loved. That's it, exactly. Uh, Andrew, Davy Cooper. 
I, I swear, when you said he played for Clyde Bank in Motherwell, you said that with exactly the same cadence as he played for the team he loved. Um, because he did, right? Um, uh, Rangers was was just massive. And I think certainly um, my old man still talks about him fondly um, because um, I think he... Uh, Davey stopped playing for Rangers two years after I was born, just to make, uh, you know, certainly Eddy feel very old. Um, but it's, um, you know, obviously just a phenomenal talent as a winger. Um, and yeah, I think him having a free role here is just going to drive defences insane. So yeah, no, no questions about this one. Fantastic pick. And Eddie, seriously, we didn't come to you for confirmation because I think you knew. Yeah, um, I think I've said it before when he's, he's come up. I actually don't remember ever having seen him play, um, or remember having seen him play live. He was a little bit before my time uh, um, when he played for Rangers. Well, you know, before I have proper memories and uh, was able to kind of process who players were and, and what their roles were and that kind of thing, but. As Andrew said, you know, every kind of generation just before me and a couple of years older than me all, you know, wax lyrical about him constantly and um, with great kind of reasoning. When you watch highlights, he, he was tremendous. He, I think for a long period of time, he was the only real reason that fans used to turn up and watch Rangers, apart from obviously their love of the club. He was the only one that was able to provide any highlights in some of those poorer Rangers teams. Andrew said there is... He was his dad's kind of favourite player. I'm sure you've said that before as well, Scott, um, last time you spoke about him. And, and I mentioned that my uncles all loved him as well and talked about how great he was. And you can certainly understand why, you know, when you watch any highlights on YouTube, is that the free kick against Aberdeen, the one that Leighton claimed he nearly got a hand to, and Cooper turned to him and said, aye, on the way back out. Um, he's the kind of player who he could have the ball in a phone box and still managed to find some space after he's nutmegged someone. You know, he, he was just brilliant. He, I think he's the exact player that Wing Wizard is probably being coined for. And then when you've got players like Ruud Hullet coming out and saying that he's one of the best players that he's ever seen play football, I mean, Ruud Hullet was one of the best to ever play himself. So to come out and put that kind of lofty praise on a player just shows you what kind of a talent he was and, and a player who every club he played for absolutely idolised him. Um, you know, he left us and went on to Motherwell and they ended up naming a stand after him. He was that good. So what, what can you say? A player that was so beloved by so many people, not just at Rangers, but Motherwell, Clyde Bank, and then international superstars claiming how good he is. You can't argue with a player like that in an all-time 11. Nah, absolute class in a glass. Uh, just... It, the name's immortal now. Everybody knows of David Cooper. Everybody knows the ability that he had, and he is regarded as Scotland's one of Scotland's finest ever talents. Um, and regarded as that, rightly so, around the world. Um, as you mentioned before, more my dad telling me about him, and then me going back and watching him as a as a, a teenager rather than I never got to see him play firsthand. Um, kind of wish I was a couple of years older now that I got to have seen him, but like I said. Uh, mesmerising player um, and all that ability just wrapped into this just quiet wee guy that just wanted to go on mate day his job and get him to his family that was it um, just a gentleman of football and 
absolutely adored at Claybank, Rangers and Motherwell, um, and forever a legend. So we'll move on now to our second of the front three. Um, I think it's the same clues we keep giving for some of these players, so I'm trying to make it uh, slightly more interesting. Um, this man started his career at St. Johnson, ended his career in football at Omarnock, and uh, went part-time as a gardener, but he gets sacked when he comes down <laughs> probably more fast. <laughs> so I can see why you decided to push through with the clues, even though I got it at the first one there. <laughs> so, um, yes. It's, Scott's, got, it's, Scott's got his bit. He wants to get it in. <laughs> yeah. The, the only disappointing uh, thing about this pick is that it rules him out of uh, Stevie's choice for manager, I guess, unless he goes player manager. Um, so uh, it's obviously Ali McCoyst. Ooh. Andrew, any takers on that? Don't be trying to play your silly games here. <laughs> I love the ooh. For a minute there, I was like, who could it possibly be if it's not McCoy? It's not anyone else unless it, unless Scott's invented a fucking player. It's Ali McCoy. Take away, Stevie. <laughs> the greatest frontman poaching-wise I have seen. Um... Before we go further, a notable mention for Chris Boyd, who is a master of his trade, very good at what he done, scored so many goals for us, but I'm only picking one of of that type of player. I don't think they would work well together. Um so it's 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 Ali for me. It couldn't not be Ali. Ali's Ali again is in any team that I would pick. He is the nicest, nicest man. I once met Ali when I was refereeing years ago was refereeing his son introduced myself and he remembered who I was and we've met him dozens of times through media and everything else he now greets me like I'm a long lost pal on the way to Leipzig um, on the way back in the bus and stuff like that 45 minute journey and I sat next to Ali on the bus and we and we, we talked about nine in a row and stuff like that and it really was it was dream come true stuff it's probably the closest I'll ever get to interviewing or being in a podcast with Ali but I'm still working on that um, and I reckon I've got a half-decent chance of one day persuading them. But in terms of footballing-wise, perfect all-round striker. He, he had everything, could finish, could head, and he just had a knack of being there at the right time. He, he almost grew up knowing that Ali McCoyce would would be there. And after two horrible leg breaks and, and kind of a few years um, seven in a row, kind of being out of the picture. He he, he fired back in eight nine in a row and, and and took the club, you know, to to the kind of promised land at that point. And he was just magnificent, even in the failed season thereafter. He, he was incredible at kind of so many games towards that end of the season where he pulled them over the line. Famous hat trick at Wraith Rovers in the in the four two game and the way to the eight in a row. Just some of the highlights, not even the highlight of his, of his career, but just some of them that I remember growing up. Scored so many goals against Celtic. Still holds the record, I believe, at something like 27 old firm goals. Just just all-round tremendous, tremendous striker. He just he just had everything. And yeah, look, there's a little bit of man love there for Ali. Um, I say a little bit, there's a massive amount of man love for Ali. My hero growing up, my hero now, uh, you know, people talk about their fantasy dinner guests and all that, Ali McCoyst is always there for me, so he he is there, 
and undeniable just how good that guy was. Eddie? Oh man, I love Ali McCoist. Absolutely love him. Um, you know, if you wanted a striker in the 90s, you wanted Ali McCoist. The guy had back-to-back European golden boots. You know, that, that's unreal. As he said, one for each foot. Just, he was so good. And, you know, he was the kind of player who, he was very, very smart as well. He um, was able to adapt his the way he played to suit whoever he was partnering up front and always get the best out of both himself and his partner. He, he's, he's a fighter as well because it felt like throughout his entire Rangers career, the the team the club was constantly looking to replace him and despite that he he was always um we would always end up going back to him because he was just the most reliable striker you could think of and he would always get you goals uh, you know I'm thinking of like we brought in Haley and I know we didn't bring in Haley to replace him but I think when we brought in Haley it was more with the idea of it would be Haley and Mo Johnson but he he kind of made himself the kind of prime partner for Haley and then Laterally, we ended up bringing in players like Oleg Selenko, Van Vossen, Negri, um, you know, looking to kind of replace that number nine throughout those years. And just every time we did it, you know, we would always end up going back to old reliable Ali because he was the guy that would go out and he would get you the goals. If you, you know, he'd come on if you needed him, he'd come on as a sub and he'd score an overhead kick to win you the game. You know, if you wanted to start him and it was a tough one and you knew it was going to be a scrappy game, he'd be there to toe-poke poke a hat-trick in and get you the win. And he was just an absolute joy. He always played with a smile on his face. He's seen how much the club meant for him. He, I mean, he loved scoring against Celtic. And there's that one where you could tell that he knew it was probably his last goal against Celtic. And he's down celebrating on his knees, the, kind of that teared look in his face of just absolute tears of joy. And then... Uh, Obviously went to Kilmarnock after that, and I don't think he particularly played all that much for them. It was more kind of a keep fit, play the odd game, but do a lot of stuff on TV. But um, And then came back as a manager, and it's just a shame, I think, that his managerial career with us wasn't quite what probably he wanted or what he would have deserved, um, but stuck with us through all the trouble. And, yeah, you know, it's not going to be remembered as a particularly fondly fun like uh yeah we, we won't remember that time fondly and um, because of everything that went on and occasionally the football wasn't well not occasionally but the football wasn't great at that time and some of the decisions he made were the wrong decisions but ultimately he came in thinking he was going to be going into one job and it ended up being a completely different job but he you know he he didn't quit he didn't say nah i'm not here for this he, he gave it his all and then since he's left like he didn't leave under the best of clouds during that managerial spell, but you know he's since then he's always still maintained that love for the club and always you, you see the joy when he's commentating or in the studio and Rangers are doing well and how much he just loves seeing the club succeed. And he's the type of player who I'll watch games that I'm not even interested in. You know I've mentioned before I'm not that big an EPL fan these days, but if I know Ali McCoy's commentating, I'll tune in because actually listening to him commentating again makes me enjoy the game a whole lot more just because of the a the fond memories it brings back listening to him talk but b just because 
you know the the love of the game of football that he has comes through and you can't help but smile when he's talking about it and know how much he's enjoying it so um yeah absolutely fantastic player uh gotta be your number nine in this team for definite and just a, a really nice human being yeah i think he's universally loved by rangers fans and I think latterly he's become universally loved by football fans. Um, you even see tweets by Celtic fans, and like you've said there about him commentating a match, and they're like, listen, hands down, Alan McCoyce is the best pundit or best co-commentator along there. Um, but he's he's always had that. He's always had that bit of patter about him. He's always had that bright spark. Um, you've seen it on the park when he was a character as well, and how he, he got up to with Gaza and his antics and things like that. But then you've seen it. I don't think anybody enjoyed Question of Sport as much as when he was one of the team captains in it. I was just about to say, I even enjoyed watching Question of Sport when he was on that, and that's not a programme that I overly enjoyed that much, but when he was on it, I loved it. But back in the good old days, him and John Parrott, that was, that was the golden era. And Tuffles as well, I suppose. Um, but uh, no, Alan McCoy's just, I, I can't say, I, I don't, I, I agree, I, I think he was, he didn't get the managerial stint he deserved after everything that happened. Yes, there's people that have different opinions of what went on after that. But for me, he's Mr Rangers. You see the joy in his face every time we put a goal in. Um, you listen to him on talk sport. Uh, you listen to him in any time he's in the studio. And that he's, he's one of these guys that's never come out and put the club down in the media the way a lot of players do as well. So you can tell that regardless of what's happened, uh, after his stint in charge, he's still he's never going to let the, the club take the brunt for for that. Um, as for a player, just growing up, he was who you, you were outside when you were playing. You wanted to be. He was whenever you whenever you got a chance up front, whenever you wanted to shoot, you wanted to be McCoy's. Whenever you just wanted to be on the end because he was, and it wasn't just like a striker these days getting 15, 20 goals a season. It was. 30s and 40s and he was there all the time he just he just never seemed to know net you probably do forget the amount of times that he missed but it's the like they say you need to be prepared to miss in order to score and if Ali had two chances you'd be guaranteed he was burying one of them so no I can't disagree and I think even in all time 11s regardless of whether it was Scottish or not McCoy's in there for me as well so Stevie great pick Andrew what about you before we move on to the final player I mean you know the podcast's already going a bit long, so we could probably spend the rest of the evening waxing lyrical about Ali McCoyst, but, you know, there's there's no question, right? You're picking a Scottish and Rangers 11. Ali McCoyst is absolutely going to be your front man. He's going to be your striker. Um, ridiculous record for Rangers. Uh, something I don't think we'll ever see beaten in our lifetimes, um, you know, unless we keep Alfredo for another 10 seasons. Um, and even then... Um, and yeah, there's a um, there was a bit of patter that um, Sandy, uh, my lovely tour guide, did um, when I was up at Rangers, uh, checking out the um, the trophy room, and it was that five players have won the European Golden Boot twice in a row: um, Ronaldo, Messi, Thierry, Thierry Henry, and uh, Robert Lewandowski. Um, but of course, there's one other name in that mix, and that's Ali McCoyst. And the player who did it first, well, that's Ali McCoyst as well. Um, just different 
different quality and um, an amazing pick. And there's no other question about who uh, the striker was going to be for this team. So, yeah, cannot disagree with it one bit. Nah, great, Andrew. I totally agree with you there. And uh, that's a, a very good company to be in uh, in terms of back-to-back or two golden boots even. Um, so as we move on to our last player now, and yes, this is back to you, Andrew. <clears throat> this player played for Everton and Heart of Midlothian and scored 14 goals for Scotland. Right. I had in my mind one player. Um but it isn't it's that definitely player. that player, Andrew. Definitely no, no. that player. Go for it. Be- before Scott started giving his clues, I had in my head one player. Now I've heard Scott's clues. I know that it's another player, and this will be not at all a controversial pick. Um I believe that the uh, player is Mo Johnston. Do you know what it is? I'm actually I was like, as soon as he, because that's who I had in my head going in, and I was like, as soon as he said the Everton and Hearts, I was like, oh, that's quite tough actually that he's given those two teams. So Andrew might not get this, and I might pinch another one. But fair <laughs> play to you, Andrew. Well, actually, I did offer this to somebody else before we came on the pod. I actually offered this one to Ricky Fulton. Uh, so if you just listen here. See, I only come out at night and always in disguise. Oh, I know who you are now. Mo Johnson. <laughs> I think you'll see that, uh, yeah, he got it in one as well. So, Stevie, Mo Johnson. Yeah, um, this will cause a wee bit of... A wee bit of surprise, I think, and a wee bit of, you know, people have always got something to say, and I think this will be the one that causes it. Notable mention for Kenny Miller. Kenny Miller and the season, the half season before he left, probably as good as I've I've seen him play. Certainly, he was Kenny Miller again was brilliant. Could have went with Chris Boyd. Another notable mention for Neil McCann. Neil McCann with Davy Cooper, both left footed. I'm not sure they would have played together possibly. So. I went for Cooper before McCann, which I think is obvious. Um, but Neil McCann, a brilliant shoot for him, a brilliant shoot for Kenny Miller. But Morris Johnston, for me, came at a time where Rangers needed something. A bit like later on in nine in a row when Gordon Jury came, who also gets a, a notable nod as well. Not everybody's favourite, but Jukebox for us was really, really good. Um, Morris Johnston was special, had pace, had finishing, Played very well up front with Mark Haley. Kept Harry McCoy out the team as well. It was, it was, you know, it was mentioned before that it was supposed to be Morris and and, um, and Mark Haley. So just at, at that point for the couple of seasons he had, we needed what he brought. And it was a perfect signing. A masterstroke by Graham Soonis because it set Celtic back so many years. I think they went five, six seasons without even winning a trophy. So it set them back you know, immeasurably in, in that period and something they've still never got over. But that's not the reason I've, I've chosen him. Um, that's just a boosy bonus, so to speak. But in terms of his quality growing up, first real player that you, you kind of, you know, first big signing, I think I really took 
took an interest in and, and watching him. He, he had everything. He, that boy could finish. And his movement was great. Fond of a low-driven a low driven finish, um, which he weirdly became his kind of trademark. Scored a glorious law breaking off against Pat Bonner at Parkhead, in which case he, he just stood still and was too frightened to do anything else, which you can understand. But, um, you know, very famous winner against Celtic as well at the Copeland Road end where you thought he was going to make it halfway down Paisley Road West. But just a, a really, really good, really good player, all-round great finisher, great first touch. Um, and as I said, he, he was very good at linking up. Probably that that's what edges it for me in terms of his link-up play was where I thought with McCoy, he's, he's going to be where, where I want him to be. Um especially with Coop kind of floating about as well. So it will be controversial for some, but for those that, that watched Morris Johnston um, would tell you just how good he was. Again, a guy that I would love to have a podcast with. He would be an incredible storyteller. So Morris Johnston would be number 10 in my team. Um, and there's quite a formidable bench and a few to mention as well, which we'll get to. But um, Mo Johnson sneaks in at number 10 So uh, Andrew, Mo Johnson I, I can't think of anything Mo Johnson ever did that was particularly controversial or you know <laughs> No I mean look, 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 the quality of the player right, there was a reason why Celtic fans were excited when they thought he was coming back and there's a reason why their hearts were broken when he came to us instead um, you know as purely as a footballer, the the quality and the the return on games to goals that he gave you, a uh, different class. Um, I had in my head it was going to be Neil McCann, um, so uh, that that's who I was angling for. But I think it was the Everton and Hearts um, that uh, threw me off of Neil McCann. And I think once you'd ruled out him, there was only going to be one other um, that I'd I I think that Stevie would have gone for there. So. Um, yeah, um, I'm surprised you didn't mention his extensive time with the Kansas City Wizards, uh, Scott. You know, you know, making big waves for the MLS. But well, we weren't going to, we wasn't going to confuse you with actual golf. I actually wish you had said Hearts and Falkirk because that might have thrown you in the McCann curveball right away. But yeah, exactly. Um, no, I mean, it, I, I cannot argue with this uh, inclusion. Um, I'm sure that there will be some people who have issues with it, but he played for Rangers. He played for Scotland. He absolutely warrants his inclusion in this 11. And Eddie, Mo Johnson. Yeah, um, I, I can see why you, you could say it perhaps is a bit controversial for people. I'd like to think these days we're kind of past the controversy around it. I think he kind of won over the majority of the Rangers' support um, with his contributions after he did sign for us. Bizarrely enough, I wasn't aware of the controversy at the time. Being a four-year-old living in Wales, it didn't really um, resonate with me that there could have been an issue <laughs> around this. So it's, it's only laterally in my life I kind of realised how big of an issue it kind of was at the time. Um, or not an issue, but like how, how much of a kind of front-page story rather than back-page story it was at the time. Um, but, you know, he, he came in, he... Uh, give us that quick, easy win by making it look like he was going to sign for Celtic and then turning around and signing for us. So we're always going to appreciate something that makes them look a bit silly after they parade, paraded him in his uh, Celtic kit. And then, uh, 
he went on and he, he he did the business for Rangers. He was he scored goals and you know he he scored goals against Celtic and celebrated like he was a Rangers fan all his life, which obviously we we know fine well he wasn't. But you know it just showed that once he pulled on that blue jersey and went out on the pitch that actually he may have been a Celtic fan growing up, but he was a Rangers player and that he was going to give his all for Rangers, which you know that's all I want. I I don't care who you support um off the pitch and I don't care you've played for previously if you come and you play for Rangers and you give your all and you uh, go out there and you know make contributions against this team that you you supported then you're going to have my full backing completely he was a very cultured player went to play in uh, France with Nantes probably could have played for other big European teams because at that point he probably was a little bit too cultured for Scotland went on then play for Everton uh, I think it just became that point where you know McCoy, you could see that McCoyst was going to be the, the the pick over him at Rangers and, and Haley had been brought in to start and he could see the writing on the wall so he just went to Everton but had a good career with them um, so when you're going for a Scottish striker or forward player that played for Rangers and as Stevie said he didn't want to have a Chris Boyd in because he'd already had a McCoyst for that kind of number nine uh, poaching role you want that kind of player that's going to be able to create chances as well as score them and I think it's a, a brilliant pick uh, I really like it um, Yeah for me I think the, the controversy side of it washes over me because I was a month or two old when it happened and then again he left the club when I was two so I don't have first hand experience of watching him play again it's much like David Cooper it's um, highlights and stories and whatever. Um, my father said he was an excellent player for us. He done done his job really well. It just got to that point. It was wasn't it? It was McCoy's Haley was the better partnership, and in nineteen ninety one that was him. Um, he was just away after that. So I can understand it in terms of Scottish players in your lifetime. Um, for me, I. It is difficult when you just narrow it down to things like that, but I, I just don't think he was maybe there long enough for for, for him to had to pick in my team. I'm not I, like I said, you see him firsthand. I didn't. Um, but I think, I think that's I think, where. Sorry, I was just going to say, with regard to when I said controversy and stuff, I think that's where it'll pick up. I couldn't care about anything else. I'm not interested. But in terms of, you know, I'm picking a team that I thought was the best quality of player if it was in terms of longevity and stuff he'd maybe go a different way but that's where I was kind of talking about the controversy I think you nail it there by possibly saying he wasn't there long enough but in terms of actual quality and signing for what we needed and when we needed it Morris Johnston kind of peaks and ticks all those boxes for me no, yeah, I, I, I can I can understand that. Um, I like your honourable mentions. I understand maybe with the the Boydie thing saying he's a bit too similar to McCoyst. I don't know whether I'll get strong for saying this. I, I agree with you. I know when, when you said that half season before he left, that season before Kenny Miller went to Turkey, that first six months he was unplayed. The best I'd ever seen a Kenny Miller in a Rangers jersey. So I don't know whether I think I would maybe have him ahead, um, just in a personal point of view, but. No, uh, that's the first appearance for Morris Johnson in the series. Um, right, guys, we're going to do the substitutes similar to the way that we've done last week because substitutes are now a relatively new part of the game. If we get a few, we get a few. If we don't, we don't. There's no obligation. 
Um, Stevie's provided us a bench of six. You each get three names that you get to throw out, and I'll give you a slight clue just to the bench. So we've got a goalkeeper. We have got one defender who played for Hearts as well. We have one player who could have played anywhere in the pitch and played for Wigan. We have one player who played for Kilmarnock in the midfield, one player who played for Hearts in the midfield, and one centre-forward that played for Tottenham Hotspur. So I'll give you three guesses each. Um, I'm going to guess that Sunas made the bench. Uh, so that'd be one on mine. Um, uh, I'll throw in Alan McGregor for the goalkeeper as a sub. And uh, maybe Colin Hendry for the defensive player. Okay, I'll tell you, you've got one out of those three. Eddie? Well, that's a, that's a better record than I normally get here, Scott. So it is be, It's a better record than the last subs we guessed. Six last <laughs> week, and never get any. I'm, I'm going to try and guess a few of them, actually. I'm going to go Alan McGregor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Davy Weir. Oh, oh actually, yeah. or is it Dave McPherson? Uh, no, nah, I'm going to stick with Davy Weir. Um... I'm going to go with Lee McCulloch, Neil McCann, Chris Boyd, and Mark Falco. Right, Eddie, you've done considerably better. <clears throat> you would have done considerably better had you listened to your gut and went with Dave McPherson, ah. who was the first of our substitutes. You also got the player that played anywhere in the pitch and played for Wigan, Lee McCulloch. You got probably... In my opinion, one of the greatest crossers of all who's ever lived, Neil McCann. And you both got the goalkeeper, Alan McGregor. So the Spurs forward that you never got was also mentioned earlier in this podcast. Uh, Stevie? Yeah, it's Gordon Jury. And of course. Notable. We could have had a bench of about 15. You've got to include the likes of Davy Weir, I get that. Colin Henry, for me, no. I don't think we ever seen the best of, of Colin Henry. Um, and not somebody I'm sure that we, or Dick Advocate at least, wanted. That was very much a David Murray move. You could also throw in Stephen Whitaker, Stephen Naismith, who were pretty good, but for obvious reasons, I don't, I don't want them on my side. And they don't um, oh. beat any other players, in my opinion. One guy we did miss from the bench... Actually, yeah, I'm actually incredibly sad we didn't we didn't get a space for him. But in my kind of team, he just doesn't make it ahead of Ian Ferguson, and that's Ian Durant. So you know, there is there's a, a notable mention for your boy D's your Kenny Millers and all that. I get that, and they would make up the bench as well. Neil Alexander as well in terms of nine trophies with us, a European final, you know, um, place penalty saves in the semi and stuff like that. Obviously, Alan and Andy are so difficult to, to beat. But there's notable mentions for a few others. But I'm, I'm, apart from Morris Johnston, I'm, I'm delighted with my living, if that's fair to say. 
And if you'd sub Morris out and maybe put in Neil McCann or Kenny Muller, then I would have understood it, or even Chris Boyd. So I don't mind that. That's going to be a bit of a personal one, personal opinion-wise. But um, I'm pretty happy with my 11, and I would be happy to put it up against most Rangers teams, I reckon. No, I don't. I don't disagree at all. And again, as, as I said earlier on, the highlight for me in this one was Biggie and Ferguson. Um, I'm actually going to go and listen to that podcast now because I just want to listen to his stories. Um, one of my favourite of all time. Uh, a very tough to beat eleven again. Um, a few names in there that have made several appearances, so it might be making things a little bit tighter in the team of the season. Um, but um, for me, no, very, very happy with the team. Uh, Eddie, yourself? Yeah, very happy with the team. Um, I definitely think they would go on to win a number of league titles, potentially nine in a row. That's a good shout. That's a good shout, Eddie. Um, yeah, um, there's there's no issues at all with this team. Um, obviously, there's some bias here. Uh, we're all Rangers fans uh, doing this podcast. But I don't think there's any doubts of the quality of this team. You know, you've got European Golden Boot winners in there. Um, yeah, immensely successful team. So, yeah, absolutely great. I think for me, this is one of my favourite teams to have talked about as a, a podcast because so many of this team are players that I grew up watching um, as a kid and kind of instilled that love of Rangers and love of football in me so this has been a really enjoyable team to talk about and Andrew closing thoughts yeah I mean the the whole team has been um, has been great and yeah as Eddie says it's been a pleasure talking about these players because so many of them we've got personal memories of watching or growing up watching or even hearing stories from you know our, our uh our relatives about as well so yeah cracking team i really like it and uh, i think as you say scott as well it's going to make things interesting for that team of the season yeah exactly um well stevie listen thank you very much for giving us your time and giving us this team uh, and a good solid near enough two hours of good football conversation i've thoroughly enjoyed it um yeah thank you very much for your time stevie would anybody, just before we go as a bonus ball, like to try and name my manager and my assistant manager, who was also a manager? Sooness and Smith. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not objecting to that. <laughs> uh, it's not right. Is it Walter? Oh, really? Oh, is it Walter? Is it is Smith as manager and Sooness as assistant? Nope. Oh. All right, Stevie, puts out our misery. It is Walter as manager, but his assistant and a very notable um, shout obviously doesn't make it because Walter was, is, and was, always will be the Rangers manager, but it's Alex McLeish. Okay. Okay, all right. Take that. He, did, he worked wonders with what he had, McLeish. He did. He did, he absolutely. Really Table-winning Rangers manager, remember, and that's exactly. it's only happened seven times won seven trophies with us, arguably in some of the most difficult circumstances um, and, you know, gave us Helicopter Sunday in, in some of the best times. Would would have worked and would work really well with Walter Smith, I feel. So that would be my dream Scottish duo, I think. 
it's probably still rather have my Scotland and Stevie Clark, but hey, hope we can't all have get what we want. <coughs> um, no, another good two shouts to end us off there. So, Stevie, thank you very much again for your team and your time. Yeah, listen, guys, this has been a whole lot of fun um, talking Rangers and talking nostalgia and a wee trip down memory lane always invokes a lot of happy memories. Um, it's been a very long podcast, but I hope people have stuck with us and I hope they've enjoyed it and I hope that it's invoked, uh, you know, a lot of thoughts and, and I'd love to hear what they think and, you know, the old Morris Johnston thing, I'm at, is it, you know, memory playing tricks or whatever, then please let us know. But a whole lot of fun, guys. Really, really appreciate it and a lot of good fun and, and I'm taking my team against anything else. Yeah, couldn't have put it any better, Stevie. And uh, as of this week, you will now be able to give us your feedback directly uh, out with the Patreon uh, on our Twitter page. You'll be able to find us at Who's Team Pod. And so all that's left for me to do tonight is thank uh, co-hosts, which are Andrew. Thank you very much, Andrew. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, uh, Stevie. It's been great having you on, and it's been great talking about a lot of these players. Um, they've been, uh, it's been fantastic. So thank you. And once again, thanks to the resident Welshman, Eddie. Yeah, thanks to all of This has been a really enjoyable podcast to record. Um, like I said just a few minutes ago, the being able to talk about some of these players has just been magnificent. And it's uh, I've just really enjoyed tonight. Thank you all. And thank you to you, the listener. Um, like I said, you can find us on Twitter at, at Who's Team Pod. Stay tuned and we will hopefully be coming with our next episode within the next coming weeks. Thanks very much and good morning, good day or good night, whatever time you listen to it.